This is No More Normal. I'm Khalil E. Colonna. The other day, I went to the laundry service to grab my laundry. If you have never used a laundry service, I highly recommend it. My dad was right. It's an ultimate convenience. Anyway, as I walked up to the counter, I realized that I forgot my mask, which is strange because for the past year, my mask was like my wallet or house keys. It was always on me. The clerk paid my maskless face no mind and happily handed over my folded clothes. I got in the car and thought, well, things must be reopening. That thought sat a little uncomfortably. How do we just get back to normal after we all went through a year of heavy, powerful change? What about all those losses people suffered? Loved ones and friends are gone. Homes taken away. Careers and opportunities disappeared. The future you thought you were heading toward vanished. And your old self, who you thought you were, that person might be gone or different too. How can we move ahead while honoring what has occurred? Really, acknowledge it, honor it. You do have the capacity to sit with that kind of despair and sadness and know that you will be changed just by doing that. The transformation is right up in letting ourselves feel all that stuff. Mm. That is Reverend Amani Malaika of the Albuquerque Center for Spiritual Living. You will hear a lot from her and executive producer Marisa DeMarco. You'll also hear from some people around Albuquerque about how the past year has changed their lives. On today's episode, we're talking about grief and transformation. No More Normal starts now. One of my favorite things to do for the show is to hit the streets and meet people. Take the temperature out there and see where people are on a topic. This time, I set out to ask how the past year has transformed them. I hit up the Albuquerque Press Club, a hidden gem. This private bar hosts people looking for a great cocktail and chill company in its many conversation hiding places. D. Brown, a lot of people said, well, this is what it is and we're just gonna go with it. As a person who makes money by performing and making music mostly, I started to do that. And then I said, well, let's just try some other shit, you know? And uh, it worked. I actually did really well. I, I started filming other bands and going and doing recording work in other places. And it actually opened up a lot of stuff that's gonna still be viable work going forward. Plus all the regular work came back. So just not allowing the way something looks cause you to stop trying. Tell me what type of perspective you have now that's different than it was in 2019. Well, I think we all had to face our own mortality in a way that people my age or younger really don't very often. It also made me sort of see the world a little different and all the people that just really didn't care about each other. And then focusing on that was bad too. So eventually, fixing my mind and my vision on those that did care, those that did think about their fellow man and trying to just be one of those people. Christopher Gonzalez. Mm, it changed me a lot because I was very into the uh, work flow. So it was kind of like day-to-day -day things that I was used to, um, kind of getting up and doing the same thing every day. Being shut down for a year let me take a year off and get to know myself a little bit better and kind of understand what my goal was in life. So it was kind of like a decent change in a negative era for me to understand myself. I mean, all the feelings were kind of weird. There was abnormal. It was something that I'd never thought that was going to happen. I always thought it was going to be a month, maybe two months. So I didn't have time to actually prepare and understand what was happening. It was just a day-by-day -day thing. And 
I mean, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but obviously I wanted to do stuff. Samantha Giovanko. How did the experience of last year transform you, if at all? Honestly, it affected me mentally more than I thought it would when it happened. I had a lot of changes. I lost a job due to COVID that I really enjoyed. I moved states, moved back states. It took a toll mentally for sure, and it changed my political views a lot, which I was surprised by. Like when it started happening, I was like, oh, this is fine. It's going to be over soon. No, it was a bigger deal than anybody could have imagined. Do you feel, as we're going into the future, do you feel like hopeful, trepidatious, or somewhere in between? Somewhere in between, for sure. Hopeful, because I feel like we have more knowledge now of how to keep people safe, but trepidatious in that there's a lot of manipulation. That's kind of scary to see, you know, what's really going on. I have much more distrust for the government and the way they handle things. When everything started to shut down, we were all promised that we would not lose our jobs no matter what. And they ended up laying off probably 85% of us where I worked at, which was a lot of people that lost their jobs. And they promised, you know, no matter. And they took care of us before they did that. So I'm not mad at the company, but it's just you never know what can happen. So I have a lot of distrust for that, for sure. Sean Gay, S-H-A-U-N-G-A-Y. I think I've gained a whole new appreciation for basically everything, including work, just enjoying the luxuries of life that we took for granted for so long and we didn't realize it was a privilege. You know, I'm just so ecstatic just seeing people's faces and seeing people's smiles again underneath the masks. I don't think there's ever enough time to really take to appreciate everything. You know, I really hope that this teaches people, including myself, to, you know, cease the day and just kind of appreciate everything you have, the small blessings in this world. It's so easy to get caught up in the stress of life, but just not being locked up in the house is just a miracle. Longtime listeners will recognize the voice of Reverend Amani Malaika. She is the leader of the Albuquerque Center for Spiritual Living and a longtime friend of mine. She is the perfect person to talk about how to move on while remembering what was and what has been lost. Executive producer Marisa DeMarco wanted to have a talk with Amani, so they met up in Amani's backyard as sprinklers watered her garden and her dogs rested nearby. Make yourselves comfortable as you're in for a real treat. Amani Malaika, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. And so you actually just did a series of workshops on grief and transformation. Yes, yeah. So when you asked to have me speak on it, I was like, oh yeah, this is my jam. And it's also so relevant right now, which is why we went ahead and did the series in March, because I was aware that we were starting to approach reopening and had people really grappled with what has been lost during the pandemic and the shutdown and all of the racial justice stuff that has risen into the spotlight in ways that I don't think it has in my lifetime. So there's just been loss left and right, left and right. Yeah, and it seems obvious to me why the idea of doing a series on grief and transformation would be necessary at this point. But maybe, like, let's break it down a little bit. There's the losses from the pandemic. What other kinds of transformations or losses were you wanting to respond to? Well, really all of them, right? You know, I know just from the relationships I have in the community, 
there has been the loss of death, right? People are dying. People are dying and not in small numbers and not just from COVID, right? There's just been huge amounts of death. People have lost relationships. Being shut in with your partner may not be working out so well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There have been losses of jobs and homes and income. There have been loss of identity. Right. Who we thought we were, and then we couldn't function in the world in that way anymore, and it was gone. And loss of who we thought people we loved were, mm-hmm. who we thought our country was. I mean, there's just been loss in all of these levels. But the process of grieving, whether it's been a loss of death, whether it's been a loss of relationship or an idea, the process of grief is the same. Ah, and how do you think of the process of grief? There's these books that identify these stages and some of that is helpful framework, but the process is not just like the feelings that you have as you go through it, but how do you think of the process of grief? Well, I think if we let it, because there are stages of grief and the thing, none of it is a linear process and none of us are going to go through it in the same way. But there is a coming to terms that has to happen. Mm. And not only is there sort of an acceptance that has to happen, there's also the opportunity to make meaning. And that's really what I believe is at the heart of the gift of grief. Because we don't get through life without loss. So we're all going to be having to figure out how to make friends with it. And if we so choose, we can accept it as a gift and allow it to change us, allow it to transform us and we get to choose what it means. Meaning making is hard for me because sometimes I feel like, yes, all of this is pointing to a story or like Mm -hmm. a narrative and then I can arrive at a conclusion, but sometimes like that can feel too simple or it can feel like false meaning. it's a complicated idea, like as a storyteller, right? Like, <laughs> I was going to say, and you're a journalist. <laughs> I'm a reporter. <laughs> right. But I don't want to arrive at false meaning. I yes. don't want to arrive at meaning that is too easy yeah. or too neat. Meaning is often not so clean, right? right. So how do, we, how do we go through the process of finding meaning or making meaning for ourselves without accidentally arriving at a at a false conclusion. I think one of the pitfalls of grief is denial, or what I say in my world, in the spiritual world, spiritual bypass. We like those quick fixes. We just really want to feel better. Yeah. You know, and so the real gift of grief is in feeling the loss, Mm. is really being with what has fallen apart, what has been lost. And if you allow yourself to do that and you don't go to denial, you don't hang out there too long because sometimes we need a little bit of denial. You know, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Loss can be really overwhelming. If we don't bypass what is actually happening, if we allow ourselves to be so present with what has been lost and how we feel about that and the despair and the sadness and the anger, maybe whatever, whatever that is, when we really hang out there for as long as it takes to feel it all the way to the bottom, we are not going to skip to that quick fix, easy ending. Mm. I found in my own grief, and I'm sure other folks can relate, that there were days I end up so in my head, of course, mm-hmm. where you like build this complicated structure of a feeling right? Mm-hmm. in your mind. You spend all day and you've built this building. And then at the end of the day, it like loops back around and you just are struck by the almost what I would describe as the animal feeling of loss, of yeah. just... Yeah 
being a creature and knowing that another creature that you loved and cherished is not on this planet with you anymore, which is just like this raw. And no matter how you try to create a story around it. Right. It's not going to make those feelings go away. Right. And it, I mean, and mourning for me, like when I'm really feeling mourning is just animal instinct. It's not, it it doesn't have a lot to do with my brain. And so I can add a lot of words to it and try to describe it and (laughs) try to understand it and unpack it and examine it at every angle. But that's just something my brain is doing. And like my body understands this differently. Yeah. Because the grief itself, right? The grief Mm -hmm. is a process. It is actually not a set of ideas. It is an absolute embodied, raw, and if you allow it, it breaks you wide open, right? And there's nothing you have to do about it, right? Like you were saying, it's actually the distraction of the story and the grappling. And it's Mm -hmm. a grappling that we do. It's like, well, what if I had done this? Or what if we had said that? Or, you know, all the things, all the what ifs and the stages of grief from the psychology world that's called bargaining. Right, right. You know, and that's part of the process. Yeah. That's part of the process. But it does not stop the loss. It does not do anything, as you know, to lessen that sort of primal broken openness. Mm -hmm. Bargaining is a lot of your mind trying to edit what happened. Like it's like looking back at the story that you know and ultimately trying to change and tweak details until you don't get to the conclusion. (laughs) Right. You want to change like somehow you can undo it. I think a lot of that is about seeking control right because now you've lost something very important to you it happened outside of your control totally and so you're trying to go back and reinsert yourself in a set of actions or ideas so that somehow you have influenced the outcome so that you don't lose something that you loved so much and it also brings us really close to how out of control we actually are in life it brings us right up next to that and that is wildly uncomfortable it is so uncomfortable. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. And I think we saw that in the pandemic. People who were saying coronavirus isn't real or I don't want to wear a mask. Or, I yeah. feel like the, all of that was about being really uncomfortable about not having control and that there's a threat. Yes. There's a threat. It could take important things from you. And you actually, you can't you do much about it. You do about it. And that discomfort <laughs> with that yeah. level of control over your reality you know, the denial of that is Mm -hmm. what led some people to just be like, I reject this premise of reality because I don't have enough control over it. And how far we will go to have a false sense of security. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, what you were talking about, like, I don't want to make quick fix meaning. I don't want to go to some easy place to just try to make it make sense. Yeah. So that I can feel better. And the gift in grief and loss is if we don't do that, and we allow ourselves to just keep staying present to it and go to that raw primal place and allow that to break us open and let go of some of that false sense of security. We actually get to a place that's actually more free. That's the transformation that's awaiting Mm. us there. Mm -hmm. Because when we can let go of like, oh, I really don't tell life what to do. Yeah. (laughs) And I can actually allow myself to recognize that I have the capacity to be that uncomfortable. I have the capacity to feel what feels like it might kill me. 
that kind of sadness. And when I recognize that that's actually more true about who I am, I am that powerful, I am that strong, I can sit with this stuff and I can allow it to transform what I believe about life, about me, about other humans. And from that, begin to live a more free existence because there's a greater safety. There's a greater security mm. that we can rest in that doesn't require us to micromanage life. I I want there to be meaning, right? So I don't mean to reject your premise of no, like no. making meaning. I want I find myself all the time having this thought like this cannot have all been for nothing. It cannot. I, I I don't know if I can deal with it if we go through that whole year as a globe, uh-huh. as a community, as yeah. people who lost people, people who lost a sense of who we were and where we were going people who recognized the limitations of their control over the world and their own lives, it cannot just result in like, oh, and now, you know, just go back to your life, the end. Like, it can't be like that. No. And here's the thing, I think, and I wrestle with this, is the place where we are at choice around that meaning is what I choose to look for is where's the beauty here? Mm. Where's the greater harmony that I believe is trying to surface? And that is what I choose to believe about this moment in time. What I wrestle with is I know how enticing denial is, how enticing feeling a sense of control is, and how enticing going back to normal is. And so I wrestle with watching folks aim for that. And I know that the opportunity for us globally is we have been awakened in a way that is undeniable. We have seen an entire planet lose every way of being that has been possible. All at the same time, grief and loss has been happening planet-wide. Yeah. This has never happened in our lifetime. And the opportunity there to get to some fundamental things that matter like connection, like relationship, like liberation and justice for everyone and access to the basic necessities of life for everyone. If we haven't had that in our face in a way that I've never seen before, and the invitation in that in this moment to grapple and wrestle with where I individually, where you individually exist in that and have to offer to life itself, gosh. I can't imagine an invitation needing to be any louder or clearer than this has been. Yeah, and I felt early on in the pandemic, it was so funny because I was like, well, if anything is going to show us that the most value that there is in this world is life, that we need to prioritize life and the lives of people and plants and animals Mm -hmm. and the planet, that Mm -hmm. life is the thing we have to fight for. I was like... Everybody will totally get on board with that. You know, I mean, naively, <laughs> naively. I was like, no, of I course. totally get it. I had the same feeling. <laughs> and then like, what happened instead was really heart wrenching in some yeah. ways because you're just wanting to kind of grab everybody by the lapels yeah. or whatever and be like, no, no. Shake them to the truth, right? Life is more important <laughs> than this conceptual thing we created called money that Mm -hmm. we allowed to govern everything Mm -hmm. that we've given so much power to that we made that we made money and you know and here's the thing it's easy and you know this right you're having to confront the news left and right it is easy to get distracted by 
heinous story after story. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to believe that is the totality of what is happening. And we have to consciously decide, and here's that meaning-making piece. We have to decide what we're looking at, what we're paying attention to. Because what I also know is I have seen the grassroots movement of human beings coming together and caring for one another and going above and beyond for their neighbors. I have seen neighbors become friends and begin to learn each other's names and have conversations over fences when they were isolated from their families. So what I have chosen to pay attention to is the changes that are happening on this grassroots level, on this very human level, the gardens, all of the seed companies last year sold out of their seeds because so many people are gardening. People understanding this relationship they have to life in a way that maybe they didn't understand before. And so are we seeing that on a political level? Are we seeing that on a justice level the way that we'd like to? Not yet. But I think, again, one of the things that we've learned is what matters is these connections we have, these real relationships we have with actual humans and plants and animals right in our own lives. And that actually kind of speaks to something that Khalil and I have talked about a bunch of times, which is that the scary reality is that the virus itself adapts very quickly. So the virus is learning its way around the barriers that we put in front of it. Right. And people as individuals, we actually adapt pretty quickly too. Yeah. On a neighborhood level or yeah. in a household level or just on a you level, like you can change. You can change something really significant and you can do it pretty fast. Right. But our systems are slow. They're glacially slow. Exactly. So our governments, these bigger the institutions. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not caught up. Yeah. So we see ourselves changing and transforming, but we don't see this. The and big I believe changing. that's where it matters. That's where it matters. Because if we don't change on the individual level, and when I say change what I really mean is if we don't align ourselves with what is really true about who we are right and I know that you have probably discovered a strength and a capacity in yourself maybe that you did not know For 15 sure. months ago yeah that matters because that is what's going to rise and change the collective yeah you're right you know if we force systemic change but the people are not on board then we're taking all our same bs with us right <laughs> right because we're the ones who made the systems mm -hmm. and the institutions so if we don't transform deeply and profoundly individually how could the collective transform If you want an example of how life is moving at a faster pace these days, just head to Albuquerque's Old Town. The shops are full of tourists and locals. You can people watch as folks of all types walk around the plaza where the city was founded hundreds of years ago. I thought, this is the perfect spot to set up shop and to talk to folks about the historic year we just experienced. Take a listen. First name is Troy, last name Williams. All right. Troy, how would you say that the last year, the experience of COVID-19 transformed you? It gave me more time to think about life and to cherish life more, to understand that 
tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So cherish to life today. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever we get a chance, we're traveling. If I can travel every day, we're gonna travel. Love more. Love on my wife more. My kids more. So more praise to God also. So yeah, yeah. Ren Ortiz. Did you feel yourself going through any changes as we were in the midst of the pandemic last year? Oh, I suppose so. You know, at the beginning, there's a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation, a lot of like mistrust of people. And I think some of that honestly stayed. I think just more trust in my own like resilience as a person, you know, I'm the brokest I've ever been this year like the most alone I've ever been this year and I'm still kicking you know I just started beauty school a few months ago and that's been going really well and even though everything is kind of garbage I'm in the best place I've been in my life so yeah I think just strength discipline been helpful how did you come to find that there's something I saw like on the internet or something a while ago is like you survived every worst day you've ever been through you know uh, my first name's Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, and my last name's C-O-L-C-H-E-T-E. How did you change in the last year, if at all? A lot. I think once it hit me that this wasn't going to be like a few months or something, it was going to be a year, it sort of gave me an opportunity to do things I maybe were too like embarrassed to do, but always wanted to do. For example, I like wanted to shave my head to like separate that beauty standard mm-hmm. and separate my femininity from my hair and if no one's gonna see me like it's a lot easier to do that and then I have a few months to like come to terms with that and feel confident in it and I think that's really like helped me a lot so that's one way another way is toxic people in my life who I was just dealing with it all kind of was in an incubator and it helped me grow in like realizing to be more discerning and also being more compassionate. Maybe two people just don't fit or bring out the worst in each other and I don't need to be reactive or angry about it. No More Normal is brought to you by Your New Mexico Government, a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage comes from the Kellogg Foundation and KUNM listeners like you. Support for public media provided by the Thornburg Foundation. Hear us each week on KUNM Sundays at 11 a.m. Find past episodes online at KUNM.org or wherever you look for podcasts. You're listening to No More Normal. I'm Khalil Ekelona. This week we are discussing grief and transformation. Now that things are picking back up again, how do we move forward in our lives while processing the losses we endured? How can we understand our grief and how does that understanding lead us to transformation? Stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we dig deeper. Now, more from the people in Old Town Albuquerque who share a bit about how the past year has transformed their lives. My name is Sylvia Crana. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, what brought you to New Mexico? Vacation and a reuniting with our son and his partner. We haven't seen our son, Philip, for over a year and a half. Mm, That must have been very hard. Well, we did Zoom technology that doesn't quite do the trick regular phone calls but to be in person and to hug and to interact to eat together and enjoy this beautiful climate and area of the country that's very special now would you say that going through this experience in the last year transformed you or changed you at all Well, I put on 10 pounds. Uh, (laughs) I think I did a better job of cooking for the family, baking, 
trying to stay in touch with friends by way of the telephone. I did a lot more reading. I can't say I was that productive around the home front, like going through closets. One thing that was a positive, but in a way it was a negative, binge watching cable television, you know, for media entertainment. And then I got to be really hooked on cable television news. I have to say that with a new president in office, it's like a breath of fresh air. I'm just feeling so much more relaxed about where our country's going. He's just a decent human being who tells it like it is. Yeah. Robin, R-O-B-I-N, Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S. So I was blessed to work on the vaccines, so got to see a change in healthcare for the better and support the pandemic. Most importantly, I think for our family, was a time to slow down, right? Reconnect and just be together and not be crazy busy like we were before. Mm-hmm. That's that's a continuing theme I've heard from a lot of people, like the opportunity to slow down, to connect with their family and take moments that according to the old schedule, the old normal, we wouldn't have had before. Do you feel like your friends and people outside of your family dynamic experience similar things? Absolutely, I think we were forced to shut down and I think initially that was difficult, but after a while I think now we're hoping that's more of the norm, right? (laughs) Than we were before. So I have older kiddos and so I think what the pandemic taught us is really, it's even though they're older, that still you need to spend some time with them. Not that we didn't before, but you know what I mean? It's more important than they're obviously self sufficient. So they're in their 16s, 19s, early 30s. And so it's really been more of a focus on them and where they're headed and making sure that, you know, they have the opportunities that are different now than they were a year ago. That's where we we really have been focused. So what's new for us is we're slowing down both of us from work a little bit since things are now stabling and really focused on on the family, just like everybody else. So that's not new. Uh, Raymond Stone. Samantha Stone. What transformations happened to you last year? A lot of being inside, you can't see all your friends and family a lot of the time. Everyone was staying to their states and nobody was willing to, I guess, open up to each other. I feel like everyone was tucked away into their own little shells. It was just hard to get through the last year. As far as work as well, trying to keep a job and everything like that i can't drive because i was just old enough to get my license and i didn't so i was stuck in the house they were at least able to go to like the store or just drive around i was stuck in my house and i love my parents but being in close quarters with them it gets very tense so it was just a lot of i want to get out of here but i can't (laughs) how was school last year horrible (laughs) um because it's a big change going from in-person, seeing your teachers every day, being able to just ask for help, to, oh, you're online, you have to wait for them to email, and they're getting emails from hundreds of other kids, like, help with this, and it was just a lot. Let me put it this way. Senior year, a lot of people get senioritis, kind of flake off and slack off. Given the fact that you lost last year in person, are you planning to slack off, or are you planning to hit the studies harder? The plan is to just get through it and pass preferably with a higher grade than just passing. They weren't allowed to fail us, but like D's aren't great. So it's definitely gonna try harder to get better grades to at least get a decent GPA.
We're heading back to Reverend Damani Malaika's backyard, where she's talking with Nimono executive producer Marisa DeMarco. They talked about grief some, including the loss of KUNM News Director Hannah Colton in November, and also about transformation. We feel a lot of pressure in this moment. The state's going to be fully reopened here in a few days. Yes. Initially in the pandemic, when I thought it was going to be a couple months long, I had all these visions of how we would just like get be, back together. Right, there'd be, be big so parties. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be all happy to see each other. And, but at this point, the re-engagement in the bigger world, right. like in physical person, is daunting, right? Yeah. Are you seeing that with a lot oh of the folks gosh. you work with? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, there's this deep desire to feel connected, right? So mm-hmm. there's, there's that. There is that sense of almost urgency for some folks. Like, I have been so disconnected from some relationships or sense of who I am in a community context. So I get that sort of there's an urgency in there as well. But I think the anxiety and the anxiousness of this reopening, I actually am seeing anxiousness and anxiety at levels higher than it's been during the shutdown. Mm -hmm. People having to wrap their brains around like, I don't even know that I want to be in a big room full of folks, right? some really beautiful questions we could be asking ourselves right now is one being present to that anxiousness like being present to that hesitation hesitation is an invitation to pause Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. being present with who am i now because we are not the same humans we were 15 16 months ago right Hopefully. (laughs) I don't see how anyone could be. I could see how people would maybe want to say that they're not different. Like Mm -hmm. that denial piece, Mm -hmm. I think, is present. But I don't see how I don't see how anyone could not be. Nobody went through this last 15 months without significant loss. Period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not a single person. So we we have been changed. And I think a really beautiful question that could maybe help us avoid going back to sleep is who am I now and what is important to me now? Mm. And so when you do your grief and transformation workshops, is it kind of about trying to get at that idea and like helping people sit down and think about it? Yeah, like if I allow myself to be broken open Mm. by these losses, by this, you know, profound sadness and sometimes despair, if I allow myself to really be broken open, like my heart just be broken, it can reveal to me some really important, important values, some important desires. You know, when we lose a relationship, like especially the way that you lost Hannah, Mm -hmm. when you lose someone who is like part of your heart. Yeah. You are also probably profoundly aware of how important it was to have that kind of relationship in your life. Yeah, well, and that's a challenge, and I wonder also if it's something that is prevalent for a lot of folks is when you get hurt, you get all protective of yourself. You never want to go through that again. Right, and so one dumb solution is to (laughs) not get as close with people so you feel a little away. Then maybe that's part of, like, that's what I'm navigating with, like, reintegrating is I'm like... I do want to go out and I do want to see friends. And I do want to be close with people. And I'm a little scared because sometimes it gets real bad when yeah. when something happens. Right? right. Yeah. And we don't have control. And so how do you like bravely move forward without control, knowing how bad this can hurt and go and just be like, well, it's worth it because 
I need to have close connections anyways, right? Exactly what you just said. Those are all the things it's hard. you have to wrestle with. It's so hard. <laughs> you know, it is. And, you know, and like you said, one of the solutions can be hardening ourselves off, closing our hearts because mm-hmm. it's so painful. But I think if you can stay close to how profound it is to love like that. Yeah. And that it is not worth giving that up. Maybe this denial piece or this hardening up and being like, yeah, that was hard, but it wasn't so bad. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to pretend like you weren't changed too much by the last 15 months, and I guess I should leave room for maybe there were people who didn't have that much change. But if you want to just skip it, you want to skip the hard <laughs> part where you're grappling with all yeah. these Can things. Can we just sidestep all the... Right. And we're like, I'm just going to get back to my life. I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to do things the way I used to do them. What happens to grief when you ignore it? It festers. It's like an infection. It's like an infection. And, you know, I say it starts to come out sideways because it takes energy to repress, right? It, co- mm. it costs something. For most folks, what it costs to harden off, what it costs to numb ourselves, what it costs to shove things back in a closet, all that energy is being removed from life, from the living that we could be doing. You don't shut down your heart just to one person or to one situation. When you shut down your heart, you shut down your heart, which means like the deepest desire that we all have is to experience love. And when we shut down our hearts, we don't get to have that. Right. If people are feeling like, okay, yeah, I have grief. I'm not totally sure how to access it or sit with it or what to do with it. I do, of course, have demands on my time because I have to work to have food and have shelter. You know, hopefully you still have those things. And I have to go to a job to maintain those things, you know, but I am struggling. Are there certain practices or ideas that you recommend? You know, I think a really simple way is acknowledge and honor. So if we acknowledge it, one, you know, depending on how far down the denial or bypass rabbit hole we've gone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we may have to come back to just acknowledging what have been the losses, you know, and maybe even writing them down and speaking it to someone that we feel safe with and really acknowledging like, God, you know, I I lost um, relationships with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so because we're so on other sides of the fence on this issue or that issue. I lost identity because I don't have my job. And I realize now that I really identified with being that administrator or that teacher or that whatever, you know, so really acknowledging what have been the losses Mm -hmm. and then honoring them really honoring them. And one simple way to do that, I suggest creating an altar. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're not a religious or spiritual person, you can just create a spot <laughs> where you have items that kind of represent those losses. And maybe light a candle, maybe commit to a certain amount of time of just sitting with those items every day for a minute or two and saying thank you. In the pandemic, we weren't able to do a lot of our group ceremonies around loss. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like as a society, this culture, this dominant American culture that we're in, it does not have a lot of strategies for endings, conclusions, losses. Hardly any. Right. So the (laughs) ones we do have are just a service of some kind when somebody has passed. The loss of funerals and memorials. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. 
that has been huge for people because you know those are for us who are still breathing to have a way to process so I would highly highly recommend if you've had a loss of a loved one and did not get that opportunity do it now do it now have a celebration of life get together with a group of friends with some food and some drink and just share stories a friend of mine said to me that you know we use this word lost we lost someone we lost something and she felt like in the pandemic it actually meant almost its literal meaning like they got lost in the forest we lost track of them some people didn't ever get to be in a room with them Mm -hmm. right so we were so distanced from Mm -hmm. one another anyway it's almost like they drifted further and further out and now you've lost them even though the reality is that they may have died or passed right right Maybe that ceremony is part of not feeling it like they're lost in the woods, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about closure. And I don't actually believe closure's super real. But I think there is a sense of getting to a moment where you accept that that person or that relationship or that job or that whatever, that chapter's now over. Mm -hmm. And especially with loss of life as a minister... I believe that we continue to have a relationship. And yes, there's been a dramatic change in how that relationship is happening. But I believe we continue to be in relationship with someone, whether they are on the planet or not. I'm sure there's times you talk to Hannah in your head. All day. (laughs) All day. Yeah. Right? So that's a relationship. But you get to acknowledge that. You get to acknowledge that you don't get to do that in person anymore. But you also get to acknowledge and cultivate this new relationship you have with Hannah. Mm. Under the hot summer sun in Old Town Albuquerque, people stopped to talk about how a year in pandemic changed their lives. Diana Shavered. I've appreciated the solitude and quiet and peace that I've felt since we couldn't get out, it, it's been good for me. Mm-hmm. I've appreciated it. I happen to have an invalid husband and it made it easier not to go so far so fast. Yeah. So often. Yeah. Has it have you given you a chance to kind of introspectively look at yourself and make any changes there? Yes, absolutely. God has given me a piece about it. Yeah, you have time to reflect on your whole life. I'll be 80 in September and it's been a while. God's been good. What day in September, may I ask? The 30th. 22nd, myself. Oh, hers is the 22nd. Hers is the 22nd. September 22nd. Oh, my birthday twin. Yeah. That is fantastic. Celebrate together. My name is Donna Benson with, and my husband, who's 80 years old, was taken by the Lord to heaven on the 28th of November of 2020. So. He started out with gangrened gallbladder, and then he had sepsis, and then he ended up with COVID, and after six and a half weeks in the hospital, he passed away. So I'm looking at a different life, but it's going to be okay. I still go to the gym six days a week, and I go to my church and and Sunday school class, and I have a nice support system. So it's going to be okay, and I'll adjust to being a single, I have adjusted to being a single a widow, and, and uh, I have community support. I'm sorry for your loss. Has the community support you have, and has that given you an opportunity, along with the isolation, to 
you know, begin to address some of the stages of grief? I just really don't feel like I'm doing any grieving. I went to a grief counseling session, but I'm really not grieving because I know my husband is in heaven and I know that he's going to be happy the day that God calls me to come and join him in heaven. And in the meantime, I'll carry on with my life and I'm having a good life. Hello, I'm Dolores Pierce from Alabama. This last year for me has been a combination of the COVID and uh, the politics, (laughs) Mm. like it has for everybody, really. But uh, COVID did slow me down a little bit faster than I probably would have. I stopped going to the gym, but my body, after 34 years of the gym and 77 years of living, (laughs) was to the point where I needed to do less with my body. It was probably doing more harm than good. And I'm not home alone, and I'm grateful for that. My husband died several years ago, but I have my daughter, my only child, and her husband living with me. And that was my idea, and she's going to be the one to take over the house completely. And she's learning to do an awful lot of that. And they both can be very helpful. It's not lonely this way either. And I can still help them. I do a lot of cooking and some of the things around the house. Yeah. We are the three sisters, and we don't have any more. She's 77, I'm 78, and she's 79. We graduated from Highland High School. Highland High School. Fantastic. We move on to the third and final part of the conversation between Marisa DeMarco and Reverend Damani Malaika. I think when we discover new parts of ourselves, and I call it revealing our wholeness, like we get to be more whole. It's Mm. not so much that we've changed, it's that we're discovering more of who we are. And I think that's flippin' fantastic. Sometimes we have a desire for change. So you're thinking to yourself, this has been really hard, I can maybe see some key ways that I need to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm feeling pressure to change again, Mm. right? Pressure from? From reopening, from these new values or priorities that you found. You're like, okay, well, I discovered these are my priorities and values. How do I, like, go for them? Like, how do I get into it with those ideas? But I liked also what you had to say about sometimes it's not about an action or doing something, right? Oh, my God, the doing culture, right? I hope we have learned that what we thought we had to do 15 months ago, what we thought was normal, the work hours and the constant motion, if we have learned anything during this time, I hope we have learned that there is a whole bunch of doing we don't have to do, right? And we can actually move at a slower pace. And hopefully the relationships that we've developed with ourselves during this time and the recognition like, oh, wow, I actually need some time to myself or, you know, I don't need as much of X, Y, and Z as I thought I did. Let that be true as things reopen. Stay close to that. And I would say, God, move slow. Yeah. Allow yourself to ask the questions. I have learned that, you know, this is now really actually a value and a priority to me. Alone time. Let's just take alone time. So as the reopening happens and that pressure that we feel to do, do, do and move, move, move. What if we didn't? What if we actually continued to slow down enough and stay close to our wisdom that is inside and followed that wisdom? Because the doing, for the sake of doing, 
because we think it's the right thing to do or we think it's supposed to happen or whatever. It's what we think people value us for is what we do. What if we come back to these values that we have now made important and allow that to guide us? The way I feel about it is living from the inside out. So trusting that hesitation, trusting mm. that, no, I don't really actually want to do that. And letting, oh. you know, letting the grief <laughs> and the animals in our lives, <laughs> <laughs> letting the grief actually teach us that sadness can be the thing we move from. You know, like, I'm feeling really sad today, and I just need to be with that. And maybe I'm not going to go hang out at the X, Y, and Z. There's also a tension between, I don't know, how do you know when you are just experiencing sadness or loss versus clinging to it? Ah, or, um, yes. <laughs> I don't know, coddling it or something. Yeah. You know, holding it as precious. Yeah. Or it's like almost like sometimes I have a feeling like if I let go of the sorrow, then I'm letting go of, of the, the, yeah, of yeah. the losses and, yeah. and forgetting them or something. Like if yeah. I'm not. Somehow it's how you honor. Yeah. It's like how I'm keeping them close. Mm-hmm. Right. To a degree, some of the sadness isn't going to go away. You mm. may find yourselves in, you know, waves of it out of the blue. Especially, mm. again, as we re-enter the world, you know, we're going to run into a moment or a street corner where a thing happened and we're going to be reminded and then we get to allow that, right? We get to allow that wave. But, you know, you said something earlier about you talk to Hannah all day long. It's not possible she could be forgotten, right? Right, right, right. And so we honor those relationships by cultivating the new relationship we have with who's mm. been lost, going to our loved ones for advice who are on the other side of the veil sometimes, right? Like, I find myself talking to my grandma sometimes, like, mm. what am I going to do about these strawberry plants, you know? <laughs> why, are these, why are my strawberry plants not doing what I want them to do? And Grandma Anne, you were, like, amazing at growing that stuff. How, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we cultivate those relationships in this new way. Well, so that's so interesting, too, because we're talking about grief, loss, and transformation. And I guess in my mind, I was framing it as the way grief has transformed you as an individual. But it's also interesting to think of just the transformation of that relationship, right? Like yeah. with the person who is not here with you anymore. But that doesn't mean you don't have a relationship. It just transformed, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So we don't have to worry that somehow they'll be forgotten. Because mm -hmm. our memories... Our love doesn't end. Mm -hmm. It's not like because Hannah's not here in physical form, you stopped loving her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amani Malaika from the Center for Spiritual Living. Thank you. Thanks for being on the Thank show. Thank you, Marissa. This has been awesome. It's not uncommon for one to hear some classic oldies blasting out of a car in Old Town Albuquerque. As I stood on the corner, one of my favorites began playing. What happened next was just wonderful. It seems like a mighty long time. Shoebop, shoebop, my baby. Great song. Yes, it is. Linda O'Rourke from Dallas, Texas. Excellent. Susan Sloan from Albuquerque. Excellent, excellent. I learned how to spend a lot of time alone, and as a teacher, I learned how to teach remotely, mm. which was not all that fun. You know, some parts of the staying at home with the COVID was really good. I love teaching from home. 
I just roll out of bed and go to the computer. But trying to teach the kids anything that they learned was very difficult. And I teach special ed. They have to have certain uh, modifications and a lot of one-on-one help that they just did not get. So that was very difficult. Now, personally, for you both, as we go forward in 2021 and beyond, are there any changes in life that you're no longer going to put up with or any things that maybe experiences that you want to encounter now? One thing that bothered me was my kids did not turn their cameras on. And I had no control of that, and the administration didn't. And I'm sure that they were not there. We need to get a hold of that. Yeah. A lot of fixes in the schools. I want to thank you both for all the work, the hard work that you, you both did. And thank you thank for you taking so time much. to speak we'll with try me. We'll one more year. That's right. One more year. We've got one more year one and more then year. we're retiring. All right. Thank you well, so congratulations. much. congratulations. Jim Albright. Well, uh, transform uh, internally, you know, uh, introspectively, pray, read the Bible, interact with uh, positive people, minister to others, transform with that kind of get my eyes off myself, you know, get my attention on other people. First of all, the Lord loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then my neighbor is myself. Mm-hmm. Now, did you find your faith really helped you through the tough times that we experienced in the pandemic? Definitely. It helped, helped with the perspective. Um, I am, I reckon it's a kind of an odd thing to say I was blessed to where I wasn't too adversely affected by it. Mm-hmm. I was conscious that it was really affecting a lot of other people in really negative situations, loss of loved ones, employment. I didn't have to endure any of that. We had some minor hardships compared to everybody else, but um, definitely helped with that perspective to be aware of others. And there's my wonderful family over here (laughs) that helped me get through these tough times. That's right. Yeah. I mean, family is the key to helping everybody. Amen. Amen. Next week on No More Normal, we continue our look at grief and transformation, asking how do we do this? How do we process our grief while looking at an unclear future? We get some help from authors and experts on the topic of grief, and we continue to hear from the people out in the world about what they are thinking of as they move forward. That's next week on No More Normal. As always, we want to thank our guests for sharing their expertise, experiences, and insights. Special thanks to Jazzstone, the producer, Cheo, Dom Life, Business School, Sundog, and Olaud Records for providing music to the show. Khaki, Pope Yes Yes Y'all, and Bigawatt produced some of the show's themes. Thanks to artist Courtney Baca, who was kind enough to let us use some artwork of hers that represents this episode online. No More Normal is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. About that. I have an announcement. Marisa will be moving on from Nomono as she is about to begin an amazing opportunity. I will say that New Mexicans are going to be very well taken care of when it comes to local news and the things that matter. Never have I worked with a more brilliant, passionate, and dedicated person. This past year and a half of working closely with Marisa has transformed me into a better human being, I hope. So in taking the bold step of speaking for our media partners and listeners of this show that we've worked so hard on, I want to say thank you, Marisa, for everything. Nomono is produced and hosted by yours truly. I'm Khalil Ekolona. For everyone here at No More Normal, thanks for listening.